Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. We've confessed to God, we've agreed with him, our attempted independence from God and our need of God and his gracious response to us, which is a lot of what Jesus is talking about in our text this morning. As we come to this conversation, Jesus is up on the side of a mountain speaking with his disciples and a bunch of other people and beginning to lay out what being part of God's family looks like, sounds like, feels like, is like. So let's prepare our hearts in prayer to receive these very words of Jesus and take them in and let them change us. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, up on the side of that mountain, Those folks, some of them had heard you before, no doubt, but many of them had not. Some of them thought they knew what you were going to say. Some of them were just along for the ride. Some of them already knew you, at least somewhat well, those who were traveling with you. And that's us right here. Some of us have known you for a while and we have some guesses as to what you'll say to us. And some of us here, are brand new and are hearing you for the first time. And Lord, for all of us, let this be a time when we hear you as if it's for the first time, that your words of grace would come deeply into our hearts and lives and change us to make us more like you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Last week, we began to listen into this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples and the others around him there on the mountain. And he begins to tell us what will mark the lives of those who are beginning to join his movement, who are included in God's family. The things that will characterize the lives of those who are given this beautiful life on offer from God. And he begins by telling us that the ones who have this true joy, the, the people who are given this fullness from God are precisely those who are empty. 
who have a poverty of spirit. See, the, the beautiful truth that Jesus leads out with is that no one will ever be left out of this life on offer from God because they're too messed up. They're, they're too broken. They're, they're too empty. Because what Jesus requires from us is precisely nothing. A poverty of spirit. But Jesus moves on. He continues with his blessings with a pronouncement that blessed are those who mourn. Which um, probably doesn't sound any better to any of us than blessed are the poor, right? I mean, come on. Nobody likes mourning. Anybody here a big fan of sadness? It's something we endure. It's not something we crave. I'm guessing not a single one of us, when we've taken inventory of our life and what do I need next? And we've just, oh, I've got it. I need more grief in my life. I need more mourning. No, not a single one of us lands on that as the solution to anything. When we've lost, whether small or large, none of us looks at that as a sign of blessing. And yet Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn fortunate, gifted by God, are those who mourn. And while some will take issue with this, I think that Jesus must be talking at least about the ordinary sadness of life, the the ordinary loss that just accumulates day in, day out. We look at scripture and we see the people who are heroes of the faith in all their mistakes, but their grief is rarely, if ever, a part of what's called out as their unfaithfulness. The Apostle Paul, for goodness sake, grieves the sickness and death of friends. I mean, and come on, have you ever read the Psalms? The prayer book of God's people, the church, is full of lament and loss being brought to God in all its just raw, deep, wrenching emotion. <laughs> Not least, of course, Jesus himself wept when his friend Lazarus died, and Jesus knew that he was going to raise him back to life. Minutes later, Jesus wept. We are not to think that God overlooks our sadness. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. And yet, at the same time, Jesus is speaking about more than the shared sadness of all humanity, the, the everyday griefs that are simply part of life. Because le let's be honest, sickness and poverty and really tragedy of any kind is only a symptom of a greater illness. Even death itself is a symptom of a greater disease. The disease that Jesus addressed actually in this first blessing, 
the disease of our attempted independence from the source of life itself. Our thinking that we have it all together and that we have everything we need in and of ourselves and our attempted independence from each other and most of all from God. And as we begin to follow Jesus, we see the ways that the tragedy of life, the things we mourn, are all linked together in this much greater reason to be sad that we have made such a mass of this beautiful, beautiful world God has given to us. Throughout the history of God's people, God's prophets and apostles and Jesus himself call us to mourn and to recognize the, the loss and the brokenness of the world, but even more than that, to mourn sin, which is our independence, our attempted independence from God, to mourn the wickedness and evil that is at the root of all of the other sadnesses we endure. And more than that, if we follow Jesus, part of this beautiful life he invites us into is going to be to, again, pick up words we read from God himself. We're invited to weep with those who weep and to mourn with those who mourn, to not hold ourselves apart from what's going on for others, but to take on the burdens of others with them, in solidarity with them, alongside them, so that they are not alone in their sorrow. And friends, in, in 2020 and 2021, this has been made, I mean, how could we call it anything but inescapable for us? the deaths from the pandemic, we, we have a choice. Do I hold myself aloof and apart or do I enter into the pain of others with them? The inescapability of the racial injustice of our history as a nation in the United States and others, by the way, but ours. I'm an American, let's talk about us. We have a choice as followers of Jesus. Do I get defensive and say it wasn't me, or do I enter into the patient love of God for others who enters into our world in solidarity with us, and I, in solidarity with others, bear burdens with them, weep with those who weep, and mourn with those who mourn for the injustice of our world. In fact, the very word comfort that Jesus offers here, blessed are those who mourn, for they will receive comfort. Th this word is a huge clue to what is on offer here. The literal meaning of this word in Greek would be to be called back alongside, to be with. The one who is grieving is no longer in isolation, no longer alone. And it's legitimate and good for the one who is mourning to cry out 
for God and others to come alongside, be with, I, I need you in their poverty of spirit. And indeed, for any of us who happen at that moment to be in a stronger position, to come alongside, to be with, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen, to restore. Even just on the human level, we see the ways that coming alongside, when one or more come alongside another to simply be with, that's when comfort is given most powerfully. I, I saw this in, in my seminary time when there were some rules and procedures that applied to everyone and, and, you know, were applied equally as far as that went. But there were certain groups of students that these rules and procedures were much more difficult for. That even if it was you know, the same for everyone, the effects were not the same. And we had multiple meetings with the administration to try, try and make these points. And I'll never forget the words of a friend of mine, how powerful it was for her when others came alongside her so that she didn't have to speak for herself, defend herself, advocate for herself. There were others who were also speaking alongside her and she was comforted. And for that matter, when have I or you been most helped in our sin? when another has come alongside us. Not simply to point the finger and name what happened, although honestly, that's, that's helpful. A lot of times I'm not gonna see what I did unless someone else points it out. But when someone has come alongside me to not simply name what I did, but to mourn with me my sin, that, has brought comfort. I will forever be grateful to a couple down in California, the church I was involved in down there. And there was a particular moment where I'd blown it. It was, there was no good way to say anything else other than just, yeah, I, I messed up big time. And, and knowing this, I, I went to them uh, to share what I had done. Uh, there was no point in covering it over because um, it was going to have its effects anyway. And, and I went to this couple, husband and wife, and named what I had done. And the husband was, was super helpful in the whole conversation. Both of them were back and forth. You know, how did we get to this point? What do we do next? What does a restoration process look like? But I'll never forget the way that right at the beginning of the conversation, as I said what had happened and, and named it all, and all its gory details, that the, the wife, her only response in that moment was simply to say, oh, James, I'm so sorry and to grieve with me, to mourn with me <laughs> the brokenness and the wrong that was in that 
moment. And yes, would continue to have other effects down the road. And what my friends did for me was so powerful precisely because they were doing alongside me what Jesus does. To mourn sin and brokenness with me. Again, like Jesus does. After all, Jesus, when he reached the crest of that last hill into Jerusalem, he wept over the sin of Jerusalem in, in rejecting him. Jesus weeps, sorrows, sighs over the brokenness and devastation that we have wrought in the world. I mean, have you ever taken a moment and just considered Jesus weeping over your sin with you? Not against you, with you? Have you ever considered that Jesus weeps with you over the sin and evil that's been done to you? The pain and the source of shame in, in your life. I know for me that was a huge turning point for me in a time of prayer with others. As I pictured a particular moment that had been particularly painful in, in my growing up years. And one of my friends simply asked me, like, so, you know, you're imagining the scene, because I was sharing, just close your eyes and ask God to show you where Jesus is in, in this situation. And so, and so I did, and unexpectedly, in the middle of this, this memory, was Jesus sitting in a chair, weeping. Just bawling his eyes out with me over what had happened in, in that situation. And that has changed me. That was a, a huge, just transformative moment to realize that Jesus weeps with me and he weeps with you. And he calls us to weep with others because blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted, whether it's our own sorrows or those of others, as we mourn what's wrong. We lament what is broken. Jesus' promise is that we will be comforted by him. You may have heard somebody else tell you, or you may have read it yourself, that at the very end of the Bible, when all things are made new, that Jesus himself wipes every tear from our eyes. And um, recently I was reading Tish Harrison Warren's really quite helpful prayer in the night, talking about God's presence with us in a 
the circumstances of life, but particularly the hard ones. And she points out that for Jesus to wipe every tear from our eyes implies that at the end of time, we, <laughs> when we're finally seeing all things clearly, we have with our Lord Jesus one last good cry at the devastation we've all gone through. And then indeed, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. We will find in him comfort, full comfort, at last. And until that day, we have this promise from Jesus that even in the midst of all the mess in this present age, blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Amen.